0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the latest edition of the Inside Carolina Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Joining me is Dewey Burke and sponsoring us is Johnny T-Shirt and com. I'll get you here in here right away. Carolina goes up to Boston College after a little bit of a break. Not as long as Boston College has been off uh, due to COVID issues, but Carolina wins 91-65. Um, Boston College showed some life in the second half a little bit, but wow, um, I'm not sure I've seen a worse team put on an ACC uniform in that first half. But that being said, North Carolina still did a lot of good things that will help down the road.
1: I agree, and you and I were texting during the game. I thought that despite the fact that BC was not very good and shot the ball very poorly in the first half and hardly defended, we still at least did some things that you would take positives from. The ball movement was really good. They got the ball into Armando consistently. Uh, I couldn't think of a time in the first half anyway where they took any bad shots. I think almost every look we got was a quality look. And Caleb was really good as a dominant league guard. Uh, but like we said, we sh- they shared the ball. Brady came off the bench and played really solid. And uh, we got into our bench, which people are going to be happy to, to see and talk about. But, look, let's, let's, not, let's not call it anything but what it was. BC's not very good. I can't figure out how Notre, Notre Dame lost to that team.
0: But yeah, that's uh, Notre Dame was down 30 to that team.
1: Yeah, yeah which I can't. I can't really understand, but, uh, look, guys played well. They, you know, they pounded a team they should have pounded, but they did it looking like they should have done it. They, they didn't really get lackadaisical BC had to make some shots in the second half, which to your point, they looked a little bit better, but, uh, I thought it was a workmanlike effort, solid. And, uh, and the things I was happy about were, were the things we highlighted earlier, the ball movement and, uh, and the way they really didn't take any careless shots.
0: Yeah, looking at the first and second half splits, I mean, Carolina was 47% in the first half, almost 60% in the second half, which that's not, that wasn't an eye test thing. That's the numbers, but it didn't seem like that. But to your point in that first half, um, they did what they were supposed to do. And this is what a Carolina team, what Carolina teams have struggled with the last three years um, really, is to come out and beat the heck out of teams you're supposed to do that too. Um, and we're able to do it with Garcia going down in the first minute, getting sat on by the big fella. Um, but Caleb Love, Dewey, good gracious. I mean, when he's engaged and he's on, he's really showing that he's really, really good. Just makes last year seem like a, a WTF moment, really. He looks like a first-round pick when he plays like that. I mean, his
1: athleticism, the ease with which the ball is released off his fingertips on his threes – uh, his handle his creativity around the rim he made a couple really nice extra passes as well uh, showing a little more unselfishness which it has been developing uh, so you just you'd like to see it be consistent and, and we've talked about this before if he misses his first couple of shots he needs to still impact the game by creating for other people by getting a steal uh, by using a, his athleticism in other ways it can't just be about if he scores but he was really dynamic and it was unquestionably the best perimeter player on the floor. And, uh, man, when he gets it going and he rips a couple threes, his confidence goes through the roof, and he is really, really fun to watch.
0: He is. He can be really, really good. Let's look at another guy who we've talked about a ton over these podcasts, and that's Leaky Black. Zero points, zero field goals, zero free throws, six, five, one, and one plus 18 on the board. That's the leaky black Carolina basketball needs, don't you think?
1: It is. It is. And, and I, look, we don't know this. I don't know this. But if there's someone on that staff who maybe is in his ear about impacting the game in ways other than scoring, maybe Jackie and him have, have connected on that level. And, and Jackie's been able to show him and, and speak to him about being a, a dramatically impactful player Not scoring the basketball. Now Jackie still managed to grab an offensive rebound and a put back and would get get out in transition and get a get a dunk because we played so much faster all those years ago. But principally that's what we're talking about. Taking the charge of guarding the other team's best player, being a ball mover, being a screener, making unselfish plays consistently throughout the game, you get to a point where you're not sure why we why leaky wouldn't be on the floor because you don't have to feel like he has to get his shots to be impactful. And and we just talked about that, that Caleb might be that way, that he's got to be in the flow offensively and make shots to be impactful throughout the course of the game. And Leakey's not playing like that at all. So uh, maybe Jackie is mentoring him in some way, but he's been really solid. You can't say anything negative about him. And uh, there were probably a couple of times he could have taken some open jumpers, but he didn't. He just kept the ball moving and then we ended up getting an even better shot. So Nothing negative you can say about the
0: way he's playing. Yeah, exactly. I remember we used to talk about Bryce Johnson back in the day and said if if he wasn't scoring, he wasn't offering anything until later in his career. Now Leakey's able to do that. Yeah, uh, I mean to go where we hammered him, the message boards handled hammered him, the face, the, the fan base hammered him, and now he's. He's becoming that guy that every team has to have. And it's fun to watch him facilitate, make some good passes, play some good defense. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see his defense on some upcoming games, particularly Seaborn against NC State and, and those type games. He's very important for this team. Manic and R.J. Davis have another big game. Who did you see or what did you see player-specific-wise in this one maybe that stood out um, that we haven't talked about? That we haven't
1: talked about, well, I think highlighting Leaky was a fair thing to go to just because you take no field goal attempts, uh, and yet you can speak positively. You're obviously doing things that are unselfish, and, and he did that. I thought Brady was really good. It was nice to see him hit a couple threes in rhythm because as good of a shooter as he is, uh, I don't feel like he's made as many of late or maybe just feels that way. Um, Mondo hitting a three, that, that was nice to see, just his versatility showing itself. Um, I like to see that we have multiple ways that we can hurt you in terms of whoever has the ball uh, between RJ and Caleb. They're both showing the ability to create. They both got to the rim. They both shot the ball well, um, and so it, it really was an unselfish effort. I don't know that I can highlight one person that we haven't typically talked about, but the ball moved crisply. There were a number of possessions, four, five, six passes, where we got great shots, and and again, the defense wasn't uh putting up a lot of resistance but sometimes in games like that it can cause you to you can feel that as a player and as a team and it can cause you to think oh these guys are hardly guarding us i can go get my own and we never did that you know the ball continued to move we stayed within ourselves didn't force anything and 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 to your point about the eye test i wouldn't have guessed we shot it even better in the second half um but i was happy overall with just how unselfishly we played we played excuse me
0: yeah, if you look at the box, you got 22 from Love, 17 from Davis and Manic, 18 and 11 from Baycott. I mean, that's, that's a four-headed monster that teams are going to have to deal with, and that's without Garcia doing a thing and Kerwin hitting one, went two for seven from the field. Um, the freshman got to play, so uh, yeah. fans should be happy about that. Let's ask some questions off Twitter. I popped the, the tweet during the game and got quite a few, so I want to hit you up, and if you had not looked at them, I hope I, I hope I don't blindside you too much, but let's uh, let's go. Aaron Jer- Judge Burner account. Um, yeah, I can't believe we got a Yankee fan on here. Two road games and two blowout wins. Do you think this is more of an indication of how bad BC and Georgia Tech are and the ACC as a whole or how good Carolina is and can be, or is it a little bit of both? I trend towards a little bit of both, but what's your take?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. I don't think Georgia Tech is awful. I mean, I think Boston College is, is not good. Uh, Georgia Tech, I think, will give people some trouble. And I don't care what year it is or when. It's hard to win in Atlanta. It always has been. It's a difficult place. It's weird. I know they redid the gym, but there's no windows. It's just kind of a funky place to play, uh, as is Virginia Tech. Those are the two that you go in there and it just feels a little different, uh, just off, because uh, the gyms are just, just funky. And so winning at, winning at Georgia Tech, I don't care where they end up uh, as far as record is concerned, that's a hard place to win. Um, today, I think it was it was probably more that Boston College is just not very good. But again, I want to I want to stay focused on the way that we beat them by 30. You know, we did it by playing unselfish and, and those guys, Boston College, they were broken with eight minutes to go in the first half. They clearly knew they had no chance. And we've talked for years on having the ability to step on a team's throat when you're clearly better. And we haven't done that as much in the last couple of years. They did that today. So that matters. That that part of it is important, even though Boston College isn't any good. That part of it, how we beat them and how we kept the lead and didn't really have lapses where all of a sudden, It's an 11-point game or an eight-point game. You're like, how is this game this close? That never happened, and I think that's important.
0: Yeah, we talk, Sherelle McMillan likes to talk about the how versus the what and versus the why or whatever. I think the how, the way you pointed out, is more important here, how Carolina was able to play. Um, Gregory Hall, inside Carolina's Gregory Hall, asks, what does Dewey think about some of the new offensive plays slash wrinkles? I love the flare screen by Kerwin to get Brady an open look. Also, a lot of ball screens with not a roll or a pop, but rather a drive and find the shooter or finish at the rim. Did you see anything differently from Carolina um, than you've seen thus far this season? And what do you like about the offensive system thus far? I guess we're 12 games, 13 games in.
1: Well, we're playing more to our personnel, uh, which you have to do because we just were not like the teams of Coach Williams past where there was definitively a number of guys that you would say, He's got to get touches on the block. And even last year, when we had Dayron and Armando and Walker, you know, more traditional post players, despite what Walker wanted to be or thinks he can be. He was still more of a traditional post player. We had three of those last year. We ha- have had many seasons where we had four or even five. The reality of this roster is we have one. And so we play that way. We, we, we truly play predominantly with just one post player. And then you see sets like the horn set where the two bigs are up on the elbows extended and the point guard can make a decision on whose ball screen to use where you're actually five out, where there's nobody in the paint, uh, which is dramatically different than anything we ever did with Coach Williams. Uh, So we are uh, playing a little bit more of a perimeter-oriented game dictated by our roster. Uh, We talked on this podcast, two of our bigs, Dawson and Brady, are more perimeter-focused. And so if you can think about – And we don't do it a lot, but lineups where our bigs are Brady and Dawson at the same time, you're going to see us playing some five out. When we went small tonight because Dawson was hurt and when Mondo was getting a rest and Brady was at the five, Aliki at the four, we played a lot of five out uh, and the ball was moving crisply. And so that's just a a complete departure from Coach Williams' traditional three out, two in uh, motion offense and even the way we ran our secondary. So. He's right. You know, more rub screens, more flare screens, more dedicated sets to get guys open threes, uh, which we just didn't do as much with Coach Williams. Even our box sets, the first and second look were into the post. And then and only then would it end up perhaps in a three point shot. So a lot of differences. And and again, playing to our personnel. And it's why we're the second best three point shooting team in the conference right now.
0: It is crazy to think that last point you made after last season, after the last couple of seasons of how they've come around. I wonder I wonder how much is that on Jeff Lebos Jeff Lebo being there and his his ability to teach it all, or how much is it on comfortableness from players? What do you think? I think it's it's Sully too,
1: right? I mean both of them. Yeah. Sully's got D, I call him Sully, sorry. Pat Sullivan. Um so, yeah, his his NBA pedigree, right, even though he's not on the floor, uh, he's still obviously influential in the coaches' room, and the meeting rooms when they're talking about sets and how they want to play. And he's got so much NBA experience that those things have to be bleeding into how they're thinking about playing. And Sean, I mean, let, let's not forget that, you know, I know he got hurt, but Sean played in the league for whatever it was, four or five years. So all of those influences uh, and just different voices about, Um, perhaps modernizing the way we play Uh, I think you're seeing that bear itself out but again it it is also about personnel if Dayron was still here let's not pretend like we wouldn't play Dayron and and Mondo together because we would and and we would run more of the traditional stuff that we probably had in just our roster dictates that we're, we're playing the way we're playing and and that's also a difference, right? Let's be honest. With Coach Williams, it was, we're playing the way we play. There were rare occurrences over the, the span of his career. Uh, one of the times you think about it is when we were so injury, snake bitten and small when P.J. Harrison played the four for extended games in the second half of that season. And we just had to play small. We We, we had no choice. But by and large, you think about all the seasons of coaches, We played the way we played. Here we are, secondary break, box, motion, three out to him. We're better, try and stop us. Mm -hmm. And it's not that that mindset has changed, because I think that's a Carolina mindset. We're better, try and stop us. But we're playing differently, uh, a more modern way to approach the game, tailored to the roster we have.
0: Let's get one more question in before we get out of here. Carolina wins 91-65 at Boston College. This is a pretty good question here. I'll have to to uh, give this person, styling linguist, <laughs> the credit for it. We often hear about players getting up shots in individual practices, but does anyone do extracurricular defensive work? Like, is anyone out practicing, um, you know, screen defense and all that? How could you? I guess if if you're doing individual work, do it. How do you get individual defensive work in? Watch film.
1: All right. It's watching tape. That's the way that
0: the, the defensive
1: work that you can do individually is sitting down with your coach and understanding mistakes that you may have made in, uh, in certain situations uh, or watching old, old film of other guys doing certain things. Um, defensive stations are something that we did religiously with Coach Williams. I know Coach Davis does them as well, but they take three, four or five guys and a coach and a passer and those kind of things. However, The stuff you learn in defensive stations, how to trail a man on baseline screens, how to play the pick and roll, uh, how we're going to funnel guys if we're on sideline, trying to force everybody to the sideline baseline. Uh, I mean, we have, I don't even know how many it was, 15 of them. And so can you go work on those after practice? Not really, but you can go watch tape because of the archives that we have. And you can watch dedicated film on, Guarding the ball screen a certain way. And so if, if a guy was interested in getting an extra work on the defensive end, that to me is how you'd grab a coach and say, Hey, levo can you sit with me after practice for 20 minutes and can we go through some defensive principles? Because I'm just not grasping this specific principle. That to me is how you do that. You know, he highlights a good point. When you're when you're working on individual stuff after practice, what is it? It's offensively, right? It's ball handling, it's shooting. Uh, two-man game, guys might go play two-on-two off on the side basket. Uh, so I guess there you can maybe do a little bit of defensive work, but that's my, that's my thought on that.
0: That's interesting because that's something, quite honestly, I don't ever even think about getting defensive work in. I guess you could work on footwork and, and getting some slides in and all that stuff, but, yeah, you're right. It's mostly offensive work. On floor defensive work on tape. Dewey Burke, I appreciate you taking the time. It's been a uh, it's been a while since we've talked. I hope we can get together again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Tommy.